Hello and welcome to the State News Sports Roundtable. Yeah, we finally got a name. It finally happened. It took some long debating, but we finally got a name. I'm your host, Eli McCowan, and I'm currently joined by the State News Hockey Beat reporter, Brendan Gumbel. Brendan, what's going on, man? What's up, man? I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. So, how does it feel to be verified, Brendan? Because I wouldn't know the feeling. Oh, that's, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> it came out of nowhere. I honestly was not expecting it. I don't know if I necessarily even wanted it, but uh, can't do anything about it, so I just got to roll with it, I guess. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, everyone at the State News got verified, except for me, it seems like, and I'm not sure what, what I, I did. Must been, must been a freshman thing. I yeah, think. it must yeah. have been a freshman thing, because I was the only one who didn't get verified, but you know, it's fine. I'm not even that mad about it. <laughs> so um, before we talk hockey, um, there's something we kind of have to talk about that happened in the sports world um, Sunday afternoon. So. Um, Sports World was stunned on Sunday after learning the news of the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi in a helicopter crash with seven others on board. Um, I think for everyone our age, Brennan, this was something that hit home. Yeah, I think I just remember, you know, one of my friends sent the screenshot of the TMZ report in a group chat and I kind of just looked at it and it was TMZ. I kind of just brushed it off. I didn't really put two and two together that, you know, Kobe Bryant is dead and like especially a day after him being in the news with LeBron passing him in points and all that and you know as more and more reports came out it was just it became so surreal and it still really hasn't even set in that he's actually gone just because his impact went uh, so much farther than basketball and he touched so many people. His mentality almost made me feel like yeah it's, he's gonna come back yeah. you know he's gonna get out and he's no, just he, gonna be yeah. there. Um, like being in class in elementary and middle school all those times I crumbled up a piece of paper step back, threw yep. it up in the air, and just Kobe. Kobe. I mean, it's, he yeah. was a man with a lot of controversy in his life, too. He and was. I, yeah. And I thought, um, if you guys haven't checked it out, check out our sports editor, uh, Chase Michelson's, his article on it. I thought he summed that up very well. But to me, his impact that he had on me was seeing how he was with his daughters after his career. Mm-hmm. The image or the video of him sitting on the sideline with Gigi where he's talking about the game and you can see him like discussing those things that's kind of how I remember him in a way yeah and you could see he had so much more to offer in the second phase of his life obviously we know what he accomplished in basketball but just how passionate and excited he was to get started in like writing and producing and stuff like that it's just it's a tragedy overall it's really sad and this is a day that'll be a day where everyone will remember what they were doing when they heard it. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll remember forever that I was sitting in my dorm room in Hubbard Hall and just looking at that text or looking at the notifications. And Yeah, it's... it's it was a really unfortunate, really awful thing to happen Sunday. Yeah, it shocked the world. But uh, what I wanted to bring you in for today was to talk about Michigan State hockey, which has been playing at probably its highest level since maybe the 2000... Like, the 2007. early 2007, mm-hmm. maybe since that period. Um... This weekend, they went up against Penn State, one of the best teams in the Big Ten this season, and they were able to tie, be tied with in first place. So what did you kind of see from this weekend, Brennan? So I just saw, obviously, you want to start out with talking about the energy at Mon Ice Arena. I know Saturday's game um, was the most attendance they've had since 2015. Uh, the place was buzzing. Um, the team just played really well. I mean, they've had a really tough schedule this year. I think statistically they've had the toughest schedule in the country. Um, they haven't backed down from anybody, and I don't know, they've just been, they've been ready. They've showed up every night, and like you said, now they're tied with Penn State uh, with 28 points in the Big Ten, and coming into the year, they were projected to finish last in the Big Ten out of the seven teams. 
Um, so they have 28 points, tied with Penn State. They're two ahead of Ohio State, who lost to Minnesota this weekend. They have 26. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was a good weekend overall. And then on Friday, Kodorenko was able to pass um, that 50 goal mark. And I thought what was interesting was after that uh, game, I went in to interview him, and he was talking about how, you know, he kind of got that monkey off his back in a way where he was finally able to score, but he wasn't even worried about scoring goal number 50. No. He was really worried about, I want to score and I want to help this team out. And I thought yeah. his play on Friday was incredible. He had his second hat trick, his first since... I don't remember if it was 2017 or 2018 against Ferris State. It was either a year or two years ago. Um, his play in that game was great. Uh, one of his goals in particular, he got out um, on a breakaway. I forget who it was that was able to poke away the puck and just found him one-on-one. He got one-on-one with the goalkeeper, got a second goal of the night. Um, he was incredible this weekend. Yeah, no, he was. He's been incredible all year. And like you said, he's not, he's not worried about personal accolades or all that. He's a very humble player. And, you know, every time you talk to him, it's always about the team and his line mates and his other players. And I think having him kind of be that lead-by-example type guy has really been good for the team this year. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier. This weekend was some of the, one of the biggest crowds that the Munn has seen. I thought Friday night when I was in there, that was one of the biggest I had seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Munsters, I mean, they're, they're, they, they're they've a dedicated group. Yeah. yeah. And I think the cool thing about the Munsters, too, is one of the things that I've noticed a few times that I've been there is that the first people that you see up in the front, up along the ice, a majority of them are um, women up in the front. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something you don't see a lot in a lot of sports. And I think it's really cool to see that that new dynamic up in the front. And they've done a phenomenal job leading the Monsters. Yeah, no, they get there an hour, hour and a half before the game just to get as close as they can. And, and throughout the whole game, they're, they're engaged, they're into it. And I think, you know, coach and several of the players talk about it all the time just how how much it actually helps them out there on the ice and and they affect the game which is just really cool to see even the, like their sign game is probably yeah. the strongest i have seen out of anything yeah, i think one the of the signs, signs they held up was the fat heads yeah that's, um, that's really the, cool. the, one of the signs they had held up was you can't even spell nittany lion without a big fat l and it was like <laughs> it was things like that where i was like these these guys are really dedicated and you know the izone obviously gets a lot of attention you know mm. for what they are and rightfully so they're one of the best in the country but the monsters are right up there. It's consistent too. And I remember I did the Arizona State series, which was uh, the weekend after, or the weekend of Christmas break. So like a lot of the students were home, and I wasn't expecting that many people to be at Mun. But it was pretty much just like every other game. The student section was full for the most part, and I think it's just an indictment of the team and the students here. And when it, the, Michigan was, or is a place that um, is a hockey state no it is yeah and lately with how hockey has been with the Red Wings struggling the last few seasons Michigan State in a way is almost filling that gap right now Mm -hmm. it seems like not even professional hockey well yeah professional hockey and um like even the other sports here like obviously football has kind of been underwhelming the past couple years basketball's been good but I think hockey really more and more people are starting to hear about their success as the season goes on and I think they're clamoring to kind of just come and see it for themselves um, but yeah, I think they definitely have salvaged a lot of the professional and college sports in our state right now. And we started going into it a little bit. The reason I wanted to bring hockey in was how how special this team is and how um, how much of an impact they're making and how great of a season they're having already. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes this team so special in your mind? I think you got to look at the depth because obviously the biggest question coming into the year was how are they going to replace Taro Hirose, who was the go-to guy last year. He was the workhorse, and now he's with the Red Wings organization. 
Um, and I've asked Coach Dan Cole a couple times about this, and he always just talks about collectively how they replaced Taro, not like a single player, but everyone has kind of found their role and conformed to it. I mean, you look at the top line, um, he's had Lewandowski and Kodarenko together for the most part, and he's been shuffling a third guy in there. Uh, right now it's Sam Saliba, who those three have really gelled together well. Their chemistry's good. Uh, he talks about the three freshmen a lot who have really stepped up. Uh, Josh Nadler has been the second line center for most of the year. Jagger Joshua, who brings a really good physical presence, um, and he's starting to produce offensively. Nico Mueller, who probably hasn't produced as much as he wanted, but he's a guy that you look at and you could definitely see down the road developing into a really good player. Defensively, the six guys they have are very solid, probably one of the best in the country. Rosberg and Sasana at the top pair um, is as good as it gets, and they can go out there in any situation, power play, penalty kill, late in the game. Um, the Krieger twins, they, they've played together for most of their lives. Um, they were separated last year because they were freshmen, but now they're playing together and they've really stepped up and played really well. And then Gafari and Miller on the third pairing um, are just really shut down. And then obviously you've got to talk about John Lethman, um, yeah. who's been statistically and just from the eye test one of the best goalies in the country this year. Um, I've talked to him a couple times and he's just, the hard work he's put in has just shown up, shown on the ice. And you wrote, a, I think you wrote a feature article mm -hmm. on him like a little while ago. And it was last season he kind of split a little bit of time. Yeah, him and Drew DeRitter, who's a sophomore, I think Lethman played 20 games last year and DeRitter played 17. And they were splitting again at the beginning of the year. Um, and then when they played Cornell in early November or late October, uh, DeRitter got the start against Cornell, who was ranked fourth at the time, and he struggled a little bit, and he got pulled, and they put Lethman in, and ever since then, Lethman's just kind of taken it by storm. And I think you also got to talk about the goalie situation, because Lethman won't be here next year. Um, but like I said, DeRitter's a sophomore, and I know the team is very comfortable transitioning him. It's going to be his net for the next two years. So the goaltender situation right now at Michigan State is very solid. Dayton Cole came in, this, this is his third season, correct? Yep, third Yeah, year. and he's really revived the program from what it was a few years ago. I mean, it was down in the dumps, you know, the Mun was getting a little bare, and then, and then now, just in a couple seasons, he's got him right back up to the level that everyone is, everyone expected them to be. Yeah, he talks about his culture all the time, like how he's been trying to implement it since day one, and I think you can really sense a full like buy-in from the players this year. Uh, I know at one point he talked about how in the summer, because I don't think the coaches are allowed to really interact much with the players in the summer, and he was just talking about how the players really took control, specifically the seniors, and organizing workouts and organizing skates and practices. And you know they were ready to go right from the time that uh, training camp came around in August. So he talks about that, and he just has a really calm demeanor. You know he's never too high after a big win, never too low after a tough loss. And his players are really a representation of that. Obviously, you know Cole was an alum of MSU. He's won Stanley Cups in the NHL. So. I just think overall he cares really deeply about the program and he's only going to build off of this year. And you can see it in the press conferences where you talked about how he's he never goes gets too low, he never gets too high. He's somebody who's you can tell has a lot of experience in yeah. what he does. He always puts things in perspective and he's just really cautiously optimistic. Yeah, and I think his demeanor just is really like <coughs> one of the more um, calmer in the sport too because he's he kind of just like embodies what that team is mm -hmm. you can see it from the players they kind of carry that same demeanor he has oh, yeah. it's team first it's we're gonna um get better we just have to continuously get better and he's not sitting there you know gonna create none of them are gonna create a controversy none of them are gonna create an issue no yeah. 
and he's put the mentality in his players' heads that they belong on the ice with anybody they play. You know, like I said, they have the toughest schedule in the country, so you know they don't have any you know room for mistakes or errors, and they just they compete with everybody. So, what do you think the team's ceiling is in terms of this season? Uh, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to get too far myself, but um, obviously the top sixteen teams make the NCAA tournament. Right. If you win your conference tournament, you get an outright bid, and then. Uh, from there on out, there's this ranking called the pairwise rankings, which I still don't fully understand. But my understanding of it is that it's like an analytically driven ranking um, that is used as like a predictor for how the committee will choose the 16, which I guess is a direct correlation. And Michigan State's been right around number 16 all year. So they, I think they need a couple more big wins, probably one big sweep to kind of stay there or they're gonna have to go on a run in their conference tournament but I do think if they get in they're gonna be a team that no one wants to play um, and I do think they're capable of making a run because when I watch them it feels like they have that it factor of a team that like you said you don't want to see come tournament no. time that you don't want to see in the postseason because while they may not be the flashiest or the most explosive they do all the little things right. Yeah, and they've they've played the best. Like Cornell's ranked number one right now, and they played them early in the year. And I fully believe that if they were to meet again, like it would be a close game, and I think they could definitely come out on top. Yeah, and that Cornell game, I, I happened to attend that one, and that was a game where I, I don't remember if it was the Friday or Saturday game I went to. I think it was the Friday night game I went to, and they kept it really close with them, and they battled. And it was kind of just one of those things where Cornell was able to break away and I think you're right I think it'd be interesting to see if you put them together again well right now yeah because I think that was at a point in the year where they knew they were a good team but they didn't know just they hadn't really put it all together yet and I think as each weekend progresses like in, like, collectively they get better as a team so now we're going to do a new segment called by <coughs> yourself so I'm going to ask you a few narratives okay. that are going in that are half maybe happening or some narratives or some questions type things mm -hmm. and whether you buy or sell that okay so this is the best Michigan State hockey team since 2007 buy or sell I would buy that I would buy that just because the buzz they're creating um the players they have, I think just you can see in the crowds they're drawing. And the fact that they haven't really laid an egg all year. Like like I said, countless times they have one of the toughest schedules in the country and they're competing with everyone. And they've been ranked for a majority of the year and I think if they were able to get into the tournament, they could make some noise. I th they're, um, just the energy that they're bringing in mud. I think it's enough reason to buy the reason because people are starting to see it mm -hmm. you know they're starting to sit there and see like okay this team's got it yeah and they're people are curious about the team they want to know more and you know that's that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to get the get the notoriety out there for the team and because they've that. they've like I've heard like the rumblings around people where they're like wait they've gotten good again yeah. like they're like they're actually playing good hockey again because mm -hmm. I mean like you said it was a couple years ago when Dan Cole was hired probably the lowest they've been yeah at that point and now just in a couple seasons I don't think anybody really expected them to maybe be where they're at where they're at now yeah and it definitely helps with recruiting too when you bring recruits to those games and they see the atmosphere and the way the team plays and the way that uh coach Cole like, conducts himself I think that helps with building on this year too as well so buy or sell Michigan State hockey will become more popular than Michigan State football by the end of next season <sighs> that's tough because football is bigger market in America than uh, hockey is, but... 
or I guess I'll rephrase it. On campus? Um, on campus. I think you could uh, could get ugly for the football team next year. So I'm going to I'm going to cautiously buy that one. I will I, I'm kind of in that boat too. Yeah, I'm not going to fully buy it, but I think I I could definitely see it cuz I think it could get ugly. It, it could get ugly and with the way that they're trending up, I think that's a team that in the next couple years could keep contending and really yeah. starts to build on where that Saturday night in Mun becomes a regular. Right. And it was like that at one point too, where like we were technically like a hockey school and I think it, it like you said it's trending that way yeah. right now. So the last narrative I kinda have for you is buy or sell, Michigan State wins a title under Danton Cole sometime during his career at Michigan State. That's you wanna say buy right away, but obviously it's very tough to do. There's a lot of good programs in the country. Um, I'll buy it though. I think that I think everyone has confidence that he can do it. If anyone's gonna do it, it will be him. Um, the players have full confidence in him, and you can tell that he knows what he's doing, so I'll, I'll buy it. I just think his demeanor and the way he's building that program in the right way just says a lot yeah. about what he's doing. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. So moving on from that, we'll hop into the trivia part now. I'm a little nervous for this one, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, I promise you it's not going to be too tough. <laughs> All, right. All right, I'll throw you... You know, just like an underhand pitch here. Here's an easier one from okay. the start. Then they're going to get tougher from here. We'll see. When was the last time Michigan State made the NCAA tournament in hockey? believe it was 2012. Yeah, that's correct. Right, it was good. 2012. Pressure's off. Right. Under Ron Mason, Michigan State's all-time wins leader as the head coach in hockey. Uh-huh. How many times did they make the NCAA tournament in his 23 seasons? <sighs> Seven? Mm-mm. No. You're going to go a lot higher. A lot higher? Yeah. 18. You're close. It's 19, 19. times in his right, 23 way seasons. Off. Oh, man. Yep. Last one. <laughs> this one. Actually, I should have maybe flipped the order of these ones, but how many Frozen Fours has Michigan State made as a hockey program? Um, I'm going to go with seven. It's 11. 11, okay. It's 11. A little bit closer. Yep, you were close, though. <laughs> but All right, Reddit, that's all I have for you today. I want to thank you for coming on today. No, yeah, I really appreciate it. You're doing some good work over here, and I can't wait to see what's next. You go ahead, and you go and enjoy your bear fights, Dennis. All right, <laughs> all right. You go ahead and enjoy that. All right, I'll all right. wallow in my own self-pity over here, okay? In due time, but, Eli, in due time. So thanks again, Brennan, and uh, we'll be right back with sports GA uh, Sarah Tidwell to talk some MSU gymnastics. So now I am joined by fellow State News Sports General assignment reporter Sarah Tidwell, who's covering gymnastics, swim, and some other sports coverage for us. So Sarah, how's it going? It's good. How are you? It's, I'm, you know what? I'm living. I'm coming into this podcast today with sweatpants, sweatshirt on. I'm just feeling, I'm living life. Oh yeah, understandable. Yeah. So how's it been covering like gymnastics, swim, and some of your other sports so far? Okay. With swim, nobody told me that the meets were literally three and a half hours long, so... I'm glad that one's almost over. I enjoy it, but I'm glad it's almost over. Gymnastics, on the other hand, is amazing. It's insane what these girls can do. Like, I sometimes I'm sitting there, and I they don't look like they're 20 years old, and I forget that they're, like, Our my age, age yeah. yeah, and that they've been doing this stuff for 16, 17 years. But um, it's pretty insane. They've had their last two meets were Big Ten meets, 
So uh, they won against Ohio State. They won by, I believe, like point one two five difference. So they were up in the 195s uh, with 450, and then Ohio State was 195, 325. So it was a pretty close meet. Um, it's the first time that they've won against Ohio State in as many years as Rowe could remember. Uh, Coach Rowe said that since he's been here, they haven't beat them, like, oh. at all. Yeah. And then last night, they took on uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and they lost, but it wasn't by too much, and they broke their overall season high with a score of 196-550. Um, so that's something that Coach Rowe, every meet after I talk to him, he's always like, yeah, I want to hit 196. Like, that's my goal. And so he was really excited about that, even though they lost. And But they broke a lot of records. They broke a lot of season highs. Um, a lot of girls got career highs. Um, on vault, they tied at their season best with an overall score of 48-plus. Um, and then um, there was a um, on bars, Jory Jackard, which is, she's a freshman, so this is her first year out on the team, broke her um, career high with a score of 9-9, which is what Coach Rowe like, wants them to shoot for when they're doing things like this. Um, and they also posted their second consecutive season best with a 4-9 on bars. And then um, same thing on floor, like they tied their best score, but this time they tied their best score in school history for the floor event, so it was over 4-9 again. And um, a couple other girls, junior Tristan Brown broke a career high, um, sophomore Alyssa, I think you say it's Wiedemann or something like that, broke hers on beam. So the girls are definitely looking forward to going to Iowa next weekend. They're going to kick butt down there. I think what's really cool about covering, you know, because I've, I've been doing wrestling and tennis, and I had kind of had the same thing with you with, like, um, swimming with uh, tennis. The first time I went in, I was going into tennis, and I didn't know a whole lot, you know, and mm -hmm. it was a four, it was a three-and-a-half-hour, like, tennis match, and there's, like, so much stuff going on all at once, so it was really, like, difficult, but I learned a lot in that process. Um, but when it comes back, coming back to gymnastics, like, is there somebody on the team that really, like, when you watch them stands out, like maybe that the crowd really gets into mm. when things are happening. Yeah, there's a couple of those girls. Um, junior Leah Mitchell, she is one of the players to watch for this season. Um, same thing with senior Gabriella Douglas. She goes by Ella. She's definitely somebody to watch for. And then there's a couple upcoming freshmen. Um, Naya Smith definitely has some potential for her next four years. And then people who kind of come out of the woodworks like Jory Jackard, and I know Tristan Brown had a really good bar routine this week. Um, Elena Raybon, people definitely go crazy when she's out doing her thing. So, Is there, like, a set leader that where you see, like, somebody that comes out is just like, okay, the team's following them? Uh, yeah, definitely. It would be either Leah Mitchell or Gabby Douglas. And so Rowe said that this team, at the end of the Nebraska beat, he said something about how this could be a Cinderella story for them. Do you, do you think that's something that is possible under Mike Rowe? Oh, yeah, definitely. He is an amazing coach. He works super hard with them on and off the, the mats. He, definitely, he told me the first time that I talked to him that the girls not only go through their physical training and their practices like you would expect out of an athlete, but they go through what they call a power hour, which is like a mental health, like revamping them, I guess. They're, they go and they do therapy for their bodies. They ice up. They stretch. They... And then they also go through like they mental like therapy too, like they 
get their confidence boosts. They do all kinds of things. And it's just like an hour of instead of practicing like the you go out there and you do everything that he wants you to do, you just sit down and you relax and you just take care of your body so that they can be best of the best. And he makes sure that these girls stay healthy and they stay on top of their game so that they can come out on top. Right, and I think that's really important, the mental health aspect of sports, and something that's come to light in recent um, years, last few months, especially in, um, you know, the NBA recently. There's been a lot of players who have come out and said, you know, I've had a lot of mental health issues in the past, and I think it's really important with this gymnastics scene for everything that's happened in the last few years to be able to have those kind of moments where Mm -hmm. you get that hour or two to just decompress think you know instead of always being you know you're on the road you're always practicing you're always working on homework you know some of those other things yeah so he just gives them a chance to kind of rejuvenate and like come back up from their what they've done their competitions because these competitions are definitely challenging and their confidence is something that he works to keep building because going up against some of these teams like Nebraska yesterday is definitely a very good team and these girls still came out on top Seeing some of the videos that I saw, MSU Gymnastics, I was taking a look at their Twitter before, and I was looking at some of the videos, and then, like, some of the photos on, like, that came through in your article recently, where just the way that they can use their bodies to just do some of the craziest things. I, I'm doing I Am Basketball right now, and I can barely run up and down the court, and these girls are literally, like, bending, and, like, some of the craziest things I've ever seen. Some Like, it's incredible to me to watch that. Oh, yeah, it's insane. I, my mouth was on the floor at the meet yesterday, like, with some of the, the performances that went down. Yeah. And so what do you think this team can accomplish this season in terms of, you know, an end-of-the-season goal that they may have? Um, I definitely think that they're going to keep getting higher. Like, I know Nebraska last night got over a 197 in overall score, and I can definitely see Michigan State doing that eventually, like, going higher than what they think they can do. Um, I definitely see, like, just, I I see so much potential in, like, these little freshman girls who are 18, never have been, like, in a collegiate sport before. Like, Nia Smith is amazing, and I cannot wait to see what she does in these next three or four years that she is here. And, um, I don't know, I think Ella Douglas could definitely, I don't know if she plans on going into the Olympics, but with her skill level, she definitely could go like into the Olympics and go pro with this kind of stuff. So, so as part of our ongoing coverage of Survivors Week, um, I wanted to talk to you about um, the gymnastics team specifically. It's why I wanted to bring you in today and how the program has been affected and how it has changed. Because it's been two years since uh, Larry Nasser was sentenced for the atrocities he committed. MSU was thrown into chaos. You know, this is a college that was, uh, I mean, it was exposed for all the horrible things that had happened on this campus. Um, in the chaos, um, the head, our former head coach, Kathy Claves, retired when she was under suspension and under investigation due to the fallout into the investigation of the Nasser crimes. Now, taking the helm of the head coaching position is Mike Rowe. And this is his first and only head coaching job. And he walked into a program in turmoil. You know, I don't think there was a harder job you could have taken in the country than what Mike Rowe did. So for people that, that don't know Mike Rowe, how, how would you describe him? Mike Rowe is one of the sweetest people I think I've met here at Michigan State in the higher up kind of power level. Um, every time I go up to him after a meet, he's always excited to see me. He recognizes me even though I've maybe talked to him like four or five times. 
like the second meet I went up to him and he was like oh my god you're back like it's good to see you and I was like like this this kind of like communication that we have like he knows me by name now he yeah like we can it helped me open up more as a journalist because he's welcoming with my questions so it helped me to form more and like be able to talk to him I guess on a deeper level and I think that's really cool and it's something that I've noticed too when you do cover the smaller sports the coaches once they you come a couple times they're like yes like I'm so glad that you're back you know covering mm-hmm. us I noticed it with um tennis uh, Gene Orlando he when he saw that I was back he was like oh my god thank you for coming he was so appreciative and I've had a bunch of the tennis players retweet my stuff you know there was uh Jack Winkler he was somebody uh during the last tennis match he said something like um it's our Uber Eats is here, you know, it's time to feast. And I, like, tweeted it out because I saw it, and I was like, that is hilarious. And I made it, like, a central part of my story, and he was, like, retweeting it. And it's really cool when you can, you start developing those relationships and stuff with somebody. And it's cool that Mike Rose is this really sweet and open guy, and I think that's something that this program needed Mm -hmm. as well in the time of um, turmoil, really. So how do you think Coach Rowe has done taking over this program? Uh, he's definitely done a very good job. He told me personally that it was really difficult moving like one day to the next because he came in, they were mid-season when all of this happened. And right. he came in and he said that like fr- day by day, he just took it step by step because they didn't really know what the circumstances were. They didn't know what was going to happen because um, like they, he didn't know like anything about these girls. They weren't, they didn't come to him with anything. So he shut himself out from the news, the media, that kind of stuff. And he focused on just what he was hearing, what was brought to him from the higher-ups at Michigan State, what was brought to him from his team, like his girls on the team. And um, so he just kind of went with everything that was being asked of him and looked out for his girls, and he brought them back up from the trenches of what Larry Nassar dug. And definitely they're still healing but they have healed and they've come a long way in these last two years because this circumstance isn't something that's still looming over them prominently. Like, it's kind of in the back now. I mean, it's still there. It's definitely not gone, but it's more in the back now, and he's kind of pushing them back towards the light and helping them out. Because he's a guy who came, I believe he was from the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. He came from before. You know, he comes in, he's an outsider to Michigan State, and he has to come in and he doesn't know any of these girls. He doesn't know what, you know... He knows what they've been through, but he wasn't here to experience it. He didn't have the relationships prior of um, helping them out, you know, but like in other experiences, he had to come in and kind of be the guy for them, you know, be one of their main mentors. And I don't think that's easy for anybody to do. Yeah, no, especially because there wasn't any preparation. Like he had no idea what to do or how to take it. And he just had to kind of bandage him up and pull him back in the way that he thought was best. How do the girls, um, you know, regard Coach Rowe? How do they talk about him when you're around them? Um, I haven't personally really talked much to them about Coach Rowe, but I have, I can see, like, in the way that they interact when they're out competing. Um, He's always right there. He's always up in their face, like, making sure that they're doing okay, that, like, they're, um, when they're on bars, like, he'll be under, like, making sure that their motions are good, that their toes are pointed, that kind of thing, like, the little things, they're there for each other, and the excitement that they both have when their event is finished is, it's really beautiful to watch because she'll, it doesn't matter what girl it is, it could be a girl that's 
her name is known and she's top on the team or it could be like one of the newbies like they had a couple newbies compete at the Nebraska meet and he was still like just as proud as he was as he would be with Leah Mitchell that he was with like Tristan Brown or something but like it's beautiful watching them interact after their event is done because they immediately run to each other like she waits to high five all her teammates and they run to each other and they hug and then he congratulates her and then she goes off to high five her team and I like that bond is kind of very important because it shows that like she's doing really well and that he believes in her and it's keeping her confidence levels up to keep competing yeah absolutely and I think team chemistry in times like these are really important and Mm -hmm. it's awesome to see that they have a really deep connection with each other and with him you know because what happened was just flat out horrible everything that had occurred to them and everything that Larry Nasser had done and to see them bounce back and see that energy the excitement in a meet where they're it's just really beautiful to watch I think mm-hmm. um so what do you think um between the girls how do you think their team chemistry has really just helped them you know in times like this um I can definitely tell that they've been there for each other through thick and thin like they definitely interact like they're more than just friends like it's kind of like a sisterhood at this point I can every time I'm sitting out with the media and they're out doing their thing like they interact they're laughing they're dancing they're holding hands like they're stretching each other out they're help they're correcting each other on their moves making sure that everybody's good and ready to go and it's really sweet to watch because like you'd think that um well you'd like you'd assume that teammates would be close like that but then you see it in person and it's like wow like this is a level that you didn't really expect like it's it's deeper it's a sisterhood I would call it definitely absolutely well I want to thank you Sarah for coming on today to talk gymnastics um especially in a week like this I thought that we needed to talk about it on the sports thing this isn't something that we could ignore so I really want to thank you for coming on and talking about that today yeah thanks for having me so I also want to thank Katie Kelly for helping us record today and thank you to everyone who listened and we will see you next week take care everybody